I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But Ian, this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? everyone welcome to the weekly real podcast my name is jeremy and my name is ken and today we're going to be talking about dirty harry inspector callahan but before we talk about that i want to jump into our podcast ritual where we talk about one notable movie or tv show that we talked about or that we watched sorry about that that we watched in the last week so ken I'm pretty excited to hear what you watched this last week. Uh, is it something kind of crazy? Uh, I don't know about crazy. Probably uh, the exact opposite of crazy, actually. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there was some uh, some uh, scenes in this movie that I saw that were like, oh, whoa, okay. Uh, but the movie that I want to share with you uh, this past weekend, you know, like a couple weeks ago, they had the Oscar Awards. And so I actually took the time to watch the uh i guess the pick the the movie uh that won best picture for 2021 nomadland because uh it's on hulu right now and so uh nomadland ended up winning three major oscars including best picture uh best actress in the lead role for, uh with uh francis mcdormand i think you're i'm saying that right and it also uh they also won uh for best achievement in directing uh which Chloe Zhao won, and she was the first Asian uh, Asian woman to win that uh, that award. And so, the reason why I watched it was because I wanted something completely different than what I've been kind of watching recently. I feel like we've been watching a lot of uh, well, obviously comic book movies. We've been watching a lot of action movies, comedies, you know, a lot of popcorn flicks. And so, this movie was definitely a departure from what I've been seeing. It's a definitely slow burn film. You know, you're just kind of watching uh, this main character named Fern. Uh, she's a woman in her 60s. And you're just watching her in the aftermath of the, you know, the economic downturn of 2008. Mm. And this kind of takes place in the early 2010s. And so Frances McDormand was excellent in this movie. Um, you're just following her throughout um, and I won't obviously get into like some of her um, experiences and everything, but man, the character work was good. Uh, the cinematography, uh, it got nominated. It didn't win, but it was beautiful. It, it just showcased uh, America's landscapes very nicely. And there's also one actor that you'll recognize, David Strathairn. I think I'm saying his name right. He's uh, He played Noah. Uh, in Born Ultimatum, and he was in Godzilla. So, yeah. Um, I thought he did, uh, I, I thought his character was uh, pretty likable. Dang. So, would you say it would be a recommend for me to go sign up on Hulu and watch it? Um, I would definitely, you'd have to be prepared for it. 
it's one of those where, you know, you can't just like, okay, I want to be entertained. This is not that movie. <laughs> mm. You actually have to really prepare yourself. It, it's a slow movie. Um, and so you kind of, you know, you have to be awake for it. It's, um, but if you really do pay attention to the dialogue and you're paying attention to like the characters kind of interacting with, with one another, it's one of those kind of movies. It's definitely just dialogue driven. I see. Yeah. I mean, definitely I'll check it out at some point, especially if it's getting so much Oscar buzz and all that stuff. Uh, so, and it sounds interesting, just very much indie film esque, very yes. slow burn, but I feel like yes. I can enjoy that. Just like he said, I have to be in the mood for something like that. Right. And so I'll, that's, I mean, that's basically why I watch it. I really wanted something just different to watch. Um, so uh, definitely check it out. Yeah. For me, I've been uh, kind of sticking with the theme. I actually watched another action movie. Uh, because it just came out on Amazon Prime Video, it's Without Remorse with uh, Michael B. Jordan. Because I've been hearing a lot of buzz about this movie that it's kind of bland. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's watch it. Just It has Michael B. Jordan in it. It's a Tom Clancy um, you know, based movie. And I like Jack Ryan, the show that they have on Amazon Prime. So I, I figured I'd uh, check it out. Right, so I would probably say the it is kind of bland, <laughs> honestly. And but Michael Michael B. Jordan definitely helped me. He definitely carried the movie. He got me through the movie for sure. There were times I'm like, "Ooh, this is actually pretty interesting." But then, for the most part, it's nothing that we haven't seen before. Yeah, it was pretty formulaic. I actually did watch this as well on uh opening weekend oh. and uh yeah the story <laughs> was pretty bad uh the like some of the scenes didn't really make sense or, or you know like the motivations and stuff and uh the character uh, what was the name of the that character that uh the CIA that we were made yeah oh, that the... we were made to like oh uh are we supposed to trust this guy I forgot his name. I just remember he's played by Jamie Bell. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so a lot of the stuff didn't make sense to me. But I, I agree with you that Michael Michael B. Jordan did uh, a admirable job of trying to pull it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely jumped out in you know the, in the scenes that he was in. Um, do that that one scene with the at the airport was oh that was probably my favorite scene. <laughs> Oh, wait, at the airport? Yeah, remember when he ends, ends up, like, following that one dude? And oh, let's just yeah. say things got hot. Yeah, yeah, I like that scene or the uh, airplane crash scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool those, were, those are the best ones. But, look, the action was pretty good, but the story itself was like, it's like, haha, did you see that coming? It's like, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the... Uh, a little bit of a spoiler warning. Oh man, po- did you see the post-credit scene? Oh yeah. Shoot, well, we might be getting a wither up without remorse part two. <laughs> yeah, because it's supposed to be obviously setting up, setting up sequel, and I don't know if it's they mentioned um, his friend uh, is a niece to Jim Greer, and Jim Greer's a character 
in the Jack Ryan series. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So that's something. I was like, oh, all right. We're going to get John Krasinski and Michael B. Jordan. I'm down for that as long as the next one's good. (laughs) It's a Tom Clancy verse. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. Uh, But I don't don't know if they're going to get it after this movie. Uh, but just cleaning up from last week, a little bit of episode cleanup from Mortal Kombat. We ran a poll on our social media, Ken. What was the poll on the infamously great Mortal Kombat? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the poll that we ran on Instagram and Twitter was, who is your favorite Mortal Kombat character? And, uh, I guess the choices that we did have were, uh, Liu Kang, Raiden, Scorpion, and Sub-Zero. And actually, I mean, this shouldn't be too much of a surprise. We actually had a tie uh, with 43% each for both Scorpion and Sub-Zero. I mean, they are rivals. And so I'm not terribly surprised that both of them did get about 43% of the vote. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. That, that like, I'm actually kind of surprised that someone chose Liu Kang. I mean, he's cool, but I, I don't know. Just thinking about the movie, he was he was a pretty all right character. I just remember him doing like that um, kind of Bruce Lee esque type of pose, and everyone was like, "Whoa, he's uh going all Bruce Lee posing." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he had that, and uh, he had that cool, like obviously his trademark bicycle mm-hmm. kick. Oh, I was like, "Oh man!" All right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean that that's not surprising. Scorpion Sub Zero. That that would be my votes as well, so it kinda makes sense. Uh but if you want to participate in the polls, we do have it on our Instagram, Twitter, uh every Tuesday. And what's our Twitter and Instagram handles, Ken? It is at Weekly Real. Yep, so participate in those and once in a while Ken does do some quizzes on the Instagram stories as well. So make sure you follow us on Instagram for that. Okay, Ken. So today we're going to be talking about a 1971 classic, Dirty Harry. Uh, This is the spoiler warning. It's been 50 years (laughs) since the movie (laughs) has come out. So just in case you haven't seen it in the last 50 years, um, it is on HBO Max. (laughs) So uh, you can check it out on HBO Max. That's where we watched it. And uh, I had to watch it with subs <laughs> just because, you know, it's that classic audio where it's uh, sometimes a little bit hard to hear them. So I put on subs. So make sure you watch it on HBO Max first. <laughs> but just in case you forgot, Dirty Harry is about the Scorpio killer who's loose in San Francisco and Inspector Dirty Harry Callahan will do anything it takes to stop the serial killings. So, Ken, uh, it's obviously you've never seen this movie before, and it's, cl- it's a bit of a classic. Did you have any a- expectations going in? Uh, you know what? Actually, the only expectation that I had going in, uh, because it is Clint Eastwood, I was just expecting some badassery. Just because, I mean, we're talking about 50 years ago, you figure that this is really the prime of his acting career. And so I really just wanted to see that because like basically my experiences with Clint Eastwood were, you know, him being already kind of old. And so (laughs) I really just wanted to see 
just that badass, you know, that anti-hero. Um, and so um, I'm happy to say that his character definitely lived up to the hype. I was just like, it's like, dang, he really did that. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. And uh, but obviously the him being a badass was, you know, front and center. But what I actually did not expect seeing was his dry wit. And it was, I feel like it was showcased pretty well during this um, 50 year old movie because, you know, I, I didn't expect, you know, funny one liners from, from dirty Harry, you know, I felt, felt like it was just like, okay, he was just going to be like angry all the time or just, you know, just like standoffish. Uh, yeah, if, if that's yeah. a word, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, because it definitely, I think they translated some of those types of characters into the 80s for sure and cheese them up a little bit more <laughs> mm-hmm. into the 80s action movies. I think that's one thing that translated uh, into future movies. But yeah, for sure, the just his character and uh, Clint Eastwood's charisma. Because right. he, um, he's not the typical action hero guy that you would expect nowadays. He's actually this kind of tall, lanky guy. But at the same time, he has that demeanor about him that you don't you don't want to cross him either. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with him with the way like he kind of talks. And, you know, he just kind of a like a it's weird. It's he's kind of got that uh, stoic demeanor, but he's kind of a loose cannon. So you don't really know what to expect from a guy like that. Yeah, but at the, yeah, at the same time, he's like admirable admirable yeah i'm saying it right uh but at the same time like you said he is that that wild card personality uh because you can see that he has a moral code Mm -hmm. but at the same time you can see it slowly stretching thin with uh some of his superiors so yeah i feel like that's why i kind of enjoyed his character because he was that bit of a wild card but at the same time he threw out like those one-liners and uh you didn't really know what he's gonna do and obviously that came to a climax at the end uh when he was (laughs) on top of that that bridge too yeah uh so i was curious you know the movie's been out for a while and i know this movie's been on hbo max for uh, quite a long time also why haven't you watched uh, Dirty Harry since it's been out for a while? Well, I think, uh, I mean, just kind of growing up, it was already kind of old for me. You know, <laughs> like even me as a 40-year-old, uh, I was like, uh, do I really need to watch a 1971 movie? And then uh, obviously as time has gone on, it's like, you know, there's just so many things to watch that are just coming out and, you know, you and I try to stay current as much as we can, especially since we started this podcast. And it's like, uh, okay, we actually have to be intentional about watching something this old. And I mean, and, and I'm glad that we are doing that with some of these classics that we hadn't watched. I know that this time around, it's just for me that I haven't seen it. But then, you know, if you think about like our season one, we got to see something like Psycho, the original Psycho for the first mm-hmm. time together. And then we got to also see It's a Wonderful Life for the first time together. That Those are like, you know, really classic movies. Yeah, really old. And I was like, eh, do, I don't like, I would feel like I wouldn't go out of my way to watch them. Cause, but for the podcast, I'll do anything, man. 
I know, exactly. And, and, you know, we get to say that we finally did end up watching it. And, you know, it's for something that uh, we can actually share with the audience, you know, our experiences watching it in 2021 or if it was season one in 2020, you know? Yeah, and I feel like overall, out of all, like, these um, classic movies that we've watched, all of them pretty much still hold up for the most part in terms of, like, the story and the writing and all that stuff. So uh, what what was your overall thoughts on Dirty Harry? Well, um, basically, again, I, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I've always loved anti-heroes uh, because, you know, they are flawed. You know, they're non-perfect protagonists usually. And, you know, like, and, you know, with some of these perfect, like, heroes or even superheroes, you know, some someone like Superman, I mean, I don't really like those type of characters because they're perfect i i just like you know some of their backstories and everything like that but yeah i've always kind of gravitated towards someone like a walter white aka heisenberg uh like tony soprano you know these guys are like anti-heroes you know and and you know we talked about it in our latest episode of the newsreel uh where we did talk about star wars day by the way check that out the newsreel every thursday you know, just a non-shameful plug. Yeah, plug. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, um, you know, just talking about the original Star Wars trilogy, you know, like I always gravitated towards a character like Han Solo versus a uh, versus like Luke Skywalker, for example. And, you know, kind of bringing it back to Dirty Harry, you know, Inspector Callahan was definitely a fl- flawed anti-hero. I mean, look, I mean, during the movie, he was shown as being a peeping Tom. He, he wasn't even like, he wasn't even being shy about it. Um, you know, and you know, like they were talking about how he doesn't like anyone. He, you know, he prefers to work alone. You know, he was, he begrudgingly took Chico on as, as his partner. Um, and dude, even, you know, he even cut corners like when he was ignoring protocol and basically ignored one of the Bill of Rights, the Fourth Amendment of illegal search and seizure. And you know what? He didn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but I mean, at the end of the day, though, he's dirty hairy and, you know, he got the job done. So, yeah, man, this movie was definitely um, a, bit, it, it was a bit of a creative inspiration also for me as well. Uh, I've shared with you, Ken, before that I actually made a crime audio series called Mr. Law. It's here on Spotify, on um, on YouTube and stuff. But one of my characters actually named um, Inspector Callahan. And, and funny enough, though, because uh, um, detectives in San Francisco were only called inspectors until like the 80s but i felt like that's such a cool name <laughs> for for a detective just inspector callahan uh yeah. that i decided to keep it in my show even though it takes place in modern day um but that's how i kind of came across that name a little bit of a, a tribute to dirty harry i put that uh, name in my series um but just going back to dirty harry i watched this movie after gran torino uh-huh. And obviously, Clint, that was supposed to be like Clint Eastwood's um, retirement from acting, pretty much. That was like a 2008 movie. <laughs> and yeah, before he, was, he came out of retirement again for The Mule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I haven't seen yet, actually. Um, but Gran Torino is so good. And 
but he was super old in that movie and so going back and watching this movie uh and seeing a young clint eastwood i i I really enjoyed it i love his character like that um and like you said characters like this where they're ultimately on the right side of justice they have the right moral compass but at the same time there is a bit of a, a darkness to them as well i like characters like that i feel like they're they have characters like that in modern day but they're not they, they, they're a bit too what's depressing i guess at points mm-hmm. whereas um dirty harry i feel like there's still that charm about him that he retains yeah because even when they were remember that one scene when um like obviously he just took on chico and he was talking about how he hates uh well all those racial slurs and everything i won't <laughs> repeat any of that right now but then you know he was talking about how uh he mentioned like a I guess a racial version of, of, you know, to represent Hispanics or whatever. And then the way he said it, and then he like winked at the one guy, he's like, (laughs) 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 I I actually didn't notice it the first time, but the second time I watched it, I was like, Oh my God, he knew he was, uh, you know, he was just saying something. You're just saying, you're just talking out of his ass really. And you know, he knew it and he was, he said it kind of in jest or whatever, but, uh, I was like, hey, those were the times back in the in the seventies, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think uh, Chico knew already. Like he's kind of just messing with him. He kind of got yeah. used to um, Callahan's demeanor already. Exactly. Um, yeah, I thought it, yeah, I thought it was in in good fun. Yeah, yeah, and then after uh, Dirty Harry, I actually watched Unforgiven. Definitely a movie that. Uh, it's much different, and it's uh, obviously a Western that I always recommend people checking out also. It's uh, not as obviously heavily action as you would expect, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's more of like, a, I guess, character work for uh, Clint Eastwood. Uh, I want to jump into our first topic for Dirty Harry and thinking about how old this movie is. It's uh, 50 years old now. And I actually have the same birthday as Clint Eastwood. Just want to flex that out right now. Really? Oh, yeah. May, May 31st. Mm-hmm. Mm. Me and Clint Eastwood share the same birthday, but he's like 70 years <laughs> older than I am. <laughs> uh, oh, shoot. But yeah, this movie's really old. But I feel like just watch, re-watching this movie again, there's so many things that uh, they brought from this movie into like modern day cinema and modern day uh, action movies and crime movies. Uh, so what aspects of the film do you think um, they took from uh, Dirty Harry and put into future thriller and crime movies? Well, I'll be really specific um, in answering this question. I, you know, one of the, it, it's weird that I ended up watching this other movie that I'll reference uh, before Dirty Harry because, I mean, the the difference in time really was like around 40 years. <laughs> and so uh, the, obviously the similarities uh, between Dirty Harry and uh, David Fincher's 2007 thriller Zodiac. I ended up watching Zodiac actually during our off season. And as I was watching Dirty Harry, I, w- I just remembered a lot of the things. And, you know, obviously the, the movie uh, was heavily influenced uh, at the time uh, of the Zodiac killer case. Uh, because the the investigation was going on, uh, it was still ongoing during the during uh, the release of the film, and so obviously the influence was there. And so I, 
I just got those vibes, you know, the the similarities in, in, in the way it was like everything was dark. You're dealing with the psychopath. Obviously, the killer within Dirty Harry was influenced by the Zodiac killer and, you know, with the serial killings and just the randomness of everything. And so um, that's one of the ones that I definitely wanted to mention. Yeah, I was definitely going to mention uh, Zodiac as well. Obviously, David, a lot of David Fincher stuff, I feel like, feels very uh, Dirty Harry-esque. Uh, but other than that one, because uh, Zodiac, of course, that it's kind of like the same time period. And just mm-hmm. there is that eeriness that um, the the killers also have zodiac killer scorpio killer yeah, uh, yeah. so i but besides the uh, the zodiac killer or uh zodiac i would probably mention like um that opening shot in jack reacher also where it's like down that sniper scope and kind of just mm. looking at um like potential victims uh from the sniper and just re uh, watching this movie, I was like, "Dang, man!" And uh, obviously, the beginning, he he sni- snipes that one lady in the beginning, and that just reminded me of um, Jack Reacher too. So there's that eeriness of shoot, like someone could be looking down a scope at any point, and you can basically kill anyone. Yeah, you know that was pretty crazy. You mentioned that uh, one of the I I'll, I'll just give some random thing uh, observation. I was like at first. Okay, I was like, obviously, it's he's using a sniper scope. I was like, is he peeping at this girl? Because I, obviously, I didn't really know what to expect. And I was like, oh, okay. He, he obviously ended up shooting and killing her. Yeah, and uh, later on, too, when he's uh, on the rooftops and kind of looking down at the park and at the church and all that stuff oh, with the sniper scope. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was intense also, man. It definitely was. It definitely was. Um, you know, another aspect that I did want to mention uh, that I feel like kind of was kind of an influence. I feel like, and I could be completely wrong because I haven't done any of the uh, the research or half-ass internet research on this. But um, do you remember that one scene where uh, Detective, oh, not, not Detective, Inspector Callahan, we just were just talking about Inspector Callahan, but... Um, he ended up finally getting into um, arriving at Mount Davidson Cross. And, uh, you know, he finally basically confronts him face to face. But the killer is wearing that mask. And I feel like, I don't know about you, but as he was kind of talking, and this is obviously before he, he gets stabbed, I felt like the way he was talking, I got Heath Ledger as Joker vibes during that scene where, you know, he was just like talking like kind of crazy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and, and I felt like Heath Ledger may have watched this scene and kind of drew inspiration for that, for his Joker character. Did you, did you get, did you get any of those vibes? Uh, yeah, a little bit because just, just seeing this guy, the Scorpio killer, just kind of like the way he is, like with the messy hair and all that stuff. He, he is almost like a Joker esque type of guy. Um, Probably a little like um, not as smart. <laughs> I would probably yeah. say, yeah. Uh, definitely more in the vein of uh, serial killers that you would see in like um, Mindhunter or something like that. And obviously, he's a, a serial killer. Even sends um, letters to the police and all that stuff. So I mm-hmm. just stuff like that. It's pretty crazy to see like them bring aspects like of those from this movie into like future movies also. 
Mm-hmm. I actually did have one more that actually just came to my uh, to to my mind right now. Actually, and, and you know, we were talking about David Fincher because we were talking about Zodiac. Um, you know, we've talked about another David Fincher movie in the past with Seven, and you know how like Morgan Freeman and uh, even Brad Pitt's character they all, they were obviously trying to figure um, figure out who the who the killer was, and obviously, you know, we ended up finding out that it was um that it was oh my goodness what's his <laughs> kevin spacey kevin spacey <laughs> like jeez kevin spacey's character i felt like because they were um they were searching and they were um obviously looking for kevin spacey's character for so long it ended up being personal you know they ended up taking personally and i felt like with dirty harry as the movie went along i felt like he started taking uh basically this case on very personally against the killer you know what i mean i don't, I don't know if you got those vibes i think i i felt it for sure especially uh he takes on every dirty job as that's why he's called dirty harry and but i think that one is the one that like definitely pissed them off and got personal for sure yeah, man, he he ended up uh, he he drove him to the point where he he was starting to stalk him afterwards, and I was like, oh shoot. Yeah, yeah. When I saw that uh, the first time I was watching, I'm like, dang, oh, oh man, what's gonna happen? Because you start to think like, oh, he's is he just gonna kill him off duty or something like that? Yeah, I I was thinking the same thing too. Because I mean, during that time, it was just a lot of dark scenes too. And so it definitely got dark um, after, after he, I guess, escaped for a little bit, you know, after he uh, escaped the law, we'll just say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to jump in into our second topic because we're from the Bay area and uh, you know, San Francisco's right there, just like a 10 minutes away or whatever it is. Uh, and I want to talk, and this movie is in set in San Francisco and I feel it's a bit more special because it's set in San Francisco, at least to me. Uh, so what was your favorite uh, location uh, in San Francisco in the film and why? All right. Well, this is kind of a throwaway scene. Kind of weird, actually, because it does showcase probably the most recognized landmark of San Francisco it's the part uh, where they do show the Golden Gate Bridge. And, you know, with the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, it's usually shown in like really bright in a bright setting. It's like a clear day or maybe you get to see that picture of like Carl the Fog kind of rolling in. You get that those picturesque shots. Uh, but the one that they actually showed of the Golden Gate Bridge and the reason why I like it is because it looked really dreary looking. You know what I mean? It, it was that scene where after... Um, after he puts away the killer the first time, I guess, and this is before he gets let go and, and, uh, Callahan and the rest of the SFPD, you know, they find the missing girl's dead body up in the Marine headlands. You got to see the bridge and it was weird to see it kind of almost desaturated. I don't, I don't know if they did that in post, but it just looked really like it's rare to kind of see the golden gate bridge in that setting and it was kind of refreshing despite the kind of the gloominess of the way it was uh depicted yeah because usually you see the golden gate uh bridge and all its glory and all that Mm -hmm. stuff but then you have it in like this this wide shot of 
uh, Callahan just standing there, and there's that that dreary feeling because he he, he lost right there, and yeah. you see like the uh, the girl's dead corpse pretty much just getting dug up, and he's just standing there looking at the Golden Gate Bridge, and it's like, damn, dude, what's what's gonna happen now? I mean, like the girl died. Yeah, but oh man, that was that was tough, you know, just to see that because. I mean, no one wants to like see anyone like obviously die like that. And in the way, you know, she was basically buried alive um, and only and was only given like a certain amount of time for for some oxygen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you definitely like just the the way that kill was done. And then Callahan is like, you didn't give me enough time. And they're like, this is like, why the hell is this this guy walking? Definitely got more and more personal as the, the killings that the Scorpio killer um, kept getting worse pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it started to get really dark. You know, you definitely got to see um, that uh, inspector Callahan just like reach that uh, low. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Uh, my favorite location of the movie was probably Mount Davidson. Have you been by the way? Um, Once, <laughs> which is weird to say because we live so close to it. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty big, right? It's like it's yeah. fairly. It's fairly big, but they, it, it, in the movie it looks crazy big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's it's a, a underrated um, location to visit in San Francisco. I think, and when I. I remember visiting Mount Davidson and then watching this movie. I was like, hey, I've been there. And, and, but just for it to also be such a, a good scene in the movie too, where they finally come face to face after uh, that phone call, the fo- phone booth chase. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where you're also like counting, like, cause he says, always pick up before the fourth ring. Like if the fourth ring happens, she's dead. So every time you hear the the rings happening, I thought that was such a good. And there's like n- no music. Also, it's such a good way of building suspense in that yeah. scene. Oh man, the tension, especially when uh, that old random old dude like answers. I'm like, oh, that's not gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, and then the Scorpio Killer just like hangs out for a bit, and it's like, oh damn. But yeah, Mount Davidson. Uh, was obviously like Callahan kind of got his butt kicked, and uh, but Ch- Chico was able to save him. But yep. at the same, I thought Chico was gonna die right there. <laughs> so did I. I was like, "Oh, this is where he dies." <laughs> as as soon as like they were talking about, he's like, "Hey, you better not have anyone follow you." And they had obviously Chico like trying to you know get there um, and drive to each location or whatever. I was like, "Man, I, I have a bad feeling about Chico." Yeah, it's like, oh, here comes the sidekick about to die. But luckily, he survived, so. Yeah. All right. Who knows? Maybe you'll see Chico in the sequels. I'm just kidding. I don't think he's actually in it, (laughs) honestly. Uh, But after this movie, I don't blame him. Uh, I want to ask our audience, uh, what's your favorite Clint Eastwood movie? Is it Dirty Harry? Is it Unforgiven? Is it trouble with the curve <laughs> i don't know like there's some uh he, he's come up with some weird movies here and there but uh ken do you have a favorite clint eastwood movie i do um and you know what i, I again i'll admit that i've only seen a handful of clint a uh, handful of clint eastwood movies uh i will give an honorable mention to uh this movie called in the line of fire and you know it's also co-starring john malkovich uh both did a really really good job 
Uh, but I, if I have to um, pick a favorite Clint Eastwood movie, I got to give it to Million Dollar Baby because, I mean, he directed that movie and, man, the acting is so well done and, uh, and obviously ends up being really depressing. But, man, depressing. You, just, <laughs> you just go through all the emotions. You go from zero to 100 to back to zero. And, um, ah, man, it was, it was such a good movie. Plus, I like yeah. boxing. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is just going to be a sports movie with Clint Eastwood. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so definitely check that out if you haven't seen it yet, guys. you got to be in the mood for it, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I just watched it, what, last season of uh, yeah. Weekly Reel and shared it on the show. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. To me, uh, for me, though, it has to be, got, it's got to be Gran Torino. I, mm. I just watched it again recently and still really good. Definitely. It's it definitely up there for me as well. I mean, just because, again, another uh, Clint Eastwood directed movie, and, and I felt like he does a really good job um, acting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let us know, guys, what your favorite Clint Eastwood movie is. You can reach us on Twitter. You can uh, send us a message on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, what's our handles again? It's uh, at Weekly it- Real, right? Yes, it's at Weekly Real, Twitter and Instagram. And then our email is weeklyrealpodcast at hotmail.net, right? Man, you're getting so close, <laughs> but yet so far. <laughs> it's it's weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. Oh, okay. I promise I'll get it right next time. Mm-hmm. All right. I've heard <laughs> Before that one. we, Yeah, yep. <laughs> Before we talk about Dirty Harry a little bit more, uh, let's take a quick break. All right, welcome back from the break, and we're going to jump into the Weekly Reel Awards. And the first one I want to give out is the Dusted Award for Favorite Crime Scene. Uh, We haven't given out this award since, what, Nightcrawler, right, Ken? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the one and only time we've given it out. So it's the return of the Dusted Award. So what would you give uh, the Dusted Award to? Well, um... The crime scene that I wanted to give it out to was the very first one, um, actually. It's the basically the rooftop adjacent to the Bank of America building, which at the time was the tallest building on the West Coast in 1971. Um, first thing I wanted to mention was that I loved that shot of when Callahan ended up, you know, he's investigating the whole thing, um, the scene. And, you know, he's right next to the pool. He's right next to the body. Uh, and then they have that shot because it's like looking up and then you kind of see it in the background. It, it, it's out of focus. And then they put it into focus as he's like kind of looking back and you do see the Bank of America building uh, in the background. And then all of a sudden it kind of cuts to a part where, you know, he's walking downtown and he's you know going up the B of A building. And it just, you know, it just shows that wide shot of, uh, you know, just following him and it's panning over, but as it's panning over, you get to see the gorgeous cityscapes of the the San Francisco Bay, all of like San Francisco, and you get to see a lot of it. You know, like almost three sixty, uh, mm-hmm. a three sixty view of it, and so um, that's definitely my favorite crime scene, just because you got to see San Francisco showcased. Yeah, that shot was a, such a good one, and definitely I'll talk about that a little bit more in the next award. 
but yeah, definitely set up the whole movie right there. Uh, but yeah. for me, it would be the the bank robbery scene where he because mm-hmm. at first he's just chilling, having his lunch or or dinner. He's like didn't really matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> and for some reason, every time I watch that scene, I get a little bit hungry because that hot, <laughs> the dog. hot dog, man, <laughs> that hot dog looks so good. And and it's funny because throughout the whole scene, he still has like half of it in his mouth. <laughs> I noticed that too. I was like, dude, he's still he's still chewing his bite. And that sucks because every time I watch this movie too, I'm like, man, I need a Costco hot dog now. <laughs> I know, man. Oh, R.I.P. to that Polish hot dog. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but just for that scene to keep going and. <laughs> You know, he didn't really get, like, he knew a bank robbery was happening, but he was just planning on chilling until gunfire started happening. He's like, damn, I actually have to get up now. <laughs> and uh, obviously leads to one of the best movie quotes of all time, I would have to say. Yeah, it's so iconic with the, uh, well, do you feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? <laughs> And uh, see, that's what one people always mess up, though. It, people always say, like, do you feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? It's actually, well, uh, he's basically setting up that whole question where it's like, oh, you got to ask yourself, do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? So it's like people kind of misquote that. And yeah. it's kind of, I, I, I knew, I did that all the time before, <laughs> before watching the movie. So it's kind of cool to see the the context now of where that quote comes from true and you could tell i was kind of going off memory i should probably looked it up on imdb beforehand (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah because that's how most people quote it uh our next award is the marissa tomei on may award for what has aged well um obviously this movie's 50 years old but i feel like there's some things that have aged really well uh what are some of them ken well, I mean, we, I think you actually mentioned it kind of at the top. I, I got to say Clint Eastwood's charisma is just aged probably the best. I mean, he still looks like a badass. He doesn't take shit from no one. But, dude, he's so funny with those one-liners. Uh, it's funny how, you know, he, he, he says everything with like a, like kind of like a wry smile at times. And obviously I mentioned the whole wink <laughs> with Chico <laughs> that and during that one scene. But uh, I just love the energy of his character, um, especially early on in the film when, you know, before um, things kind of take a dark turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. He had that that smugness about him that just you, you really love because it's just you don't want to see a guy that's just moping around all the time. But at the same time, you, he's a type of guy that he's he's getting after it also mm-hmm. uh, with all these bad guys. And it's just a character that. I definitely, um, that carried me for the rest of the, what, five movies that he's in. (laughs) Uh, For me, I got to mention the cinematography. You mentioned a little bit uh, of it in the beginning of the movie, but just throughout the movie, um, obviously it it was a bit of a challenge and like dark scenes and all that stuff, Um, like where it's actually not lit very well, but I felt like that actually added to the eeriness of it also. But mm-hmm. I have to mention also that that scene again of the the Golden Gate Bridge, um, Mount Davidson, the way they shot that scene. Also, I feel like if 
just the the cinematography in this movie is i would say better than some action movies uh, or thriller movies of the modern day yeah you're talking about like some dark scenes even like the like running through the concourses at Kizar stadium looked really eerie because you don't really get to see anything it was pretty unclear it's like oh man like you, you know you put yourself in 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 inspector callahan's uh, shoes and you're like oh man is, is he gonna like start shooting you know does he even have a gun you don't know mm-hmm. and mention Kizar Sadum again I, I looked up I'm like oh what did uh someone play here and yeah it was the what 49ers until 1970 <laughs> yeah yeah basically they moved into candlestick in 71 yeah so I thought that was a cool uh little uh trivia I learned this time re-watching it uh, the next award is the Happy Hogan Mullet Memorial Award for what has not aged well. And being 50 years old, there definitely has to be some stuff that <laughs> does not age well in the times and the culture. I don't know, dress code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would you give the what has not aged well to? Yeah, well, my winner for the Happy Mullet Memorial Award is, uh, you know what, and actually we did, we just got done talking about Kizar Stadium, and I'm kind of glad that we did just talk about it, because it sets up my answer perfectly. I love the fact that we went to Kizar Stadium, but during that encounter, I was not loving that part at the, kind of like that one, like, okay, so we were talking about how dark it was, and then I love that part when the killer is kind of running on the field, and then... uh uh, I guess Inspector Callahan's, uh, I guess, colleague at the time just turns on the lights, which was gorgeous, by the way, and how like it, it lit up everything. It was definitely a contrast. I was like, oh, this is going to be a good scene. But right up to the point where he shoots him and you get to see basically the killer. Uh, he made, made yeah, I felt like he made some really strange choices in the way he was like, no, 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 you tried to kill me. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. like, oh. I, I just thought it was really bad. I just started laughing and I'll, I don't know if I was supposed to start laughing because of the way he was talking. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely points in this where you're really scared of him, but at the same time, it's like, it's like, he's just like a 10 year old kid killing people. Which is- at the same time, like, uh, yeah, there's, it comes off as cheesy sometimes, yeah. <laughs> uh, his, his facial expressions at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes he's just like in his own world, <laughs> but uh, it could be interpreted in different ways. But yeah, I could, that just the way he uh, said those lines were a bit like, a bit cringy. <laughs> it was, it was pretty bad in that in that uh just in that one scene and and, you know like obviously in a lot of the other scenes that you know you got to see kind of like how you know it give you a little bit of a glimpse of what like a serial killer like mine would you know kind of go through you know nothing really makes sense you know they just do what they do because you know they want to and they just i don't know they just feel like killing people just for the hell of it and then for people to kind of do that, there's obviously something wrong with them. And so um, it was just this part. I, I was like, what am I watching? Right now? <laughs> <laughs> and there, uh, I thought you were going to mention where they start panning out that, that really wide shot where it's a little bit shaky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, you know, there's no drone shots back then. Yeah. I, I was kind of curious how, how they did that. <laughs> yeah. 
probably like a crane or something like that. I don't know, honestly. Yeah. Um, but for me, I would, you mentioned it earlier, uh, just some of the racial slurs that he like throws out every now and then. And then also calls, um, uh, Brez, I think it's Bresler fatso. <laughs> I feel like it's just, it, those things would not fly. Like we're, we're, um, obviously praising his character and how uh, charismatic he is. But if, if people like, if that character was, in modern day now, they're like, oh, he's so insensitive to yeah. everybody. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's like those terms would not fly today. Yeah, but man. Cancel culture would get <laughs> would definitely have a field day with uh, with Dirty Harry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But obviously that's, that, I feel like that's just a lot of Clint Eastwood's characters. <laughs> Very <laughs> In true. general. Very true. I did, like, have a, a honor, I did have an honorable mention, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a fun one, actually, <laughs> for what has not aged well. Clint Eastwood's running. He's no Tom Cruise. <laughs> he was <laughs> yeah. running really slowly, especially in the uh, in all of the chasings, especially what the Keysar Stadium one and the one at the very end. I was like, dang, he is running hella slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely doesn't have that that fast that fast gait, that cadence that Tom Cruise has. But no it, high knees. Yeah, no high knees, but it's probably because he's already like 6'2 or whatever he is. Yeah. Uh, just, it doesn't trans, his running does not translate that well. It's like he's more taking a leisurely jog. <laughs> right, especially <laughs> when he was doing the whole um, like jogging where he ended up at Mount Davidson. I was like, oh my God, he's just, he's just taking a sweet time. But he was like winded and stuff. I was like, dude, these long cuts are killing me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Because... Yeah, just those, he's got those long strides, but not that fast, you know? Mm -mm. Uh, Our next award is the Wise Gamora Award for favorite quote. And Callahan throws out a bunch of one-liners, but uh, what's your favorite quote of Dirty Harry? I feel it would be cheating to give the Wise Gamora Award to the do I feel lucky? Well, do you punk? Um, And so... I will choose another quote because I feel like I want to, you know, just give another funny one-liner because he had so many of them. It's actually um, right after the bank robbery scene. It's when he's kind of getting patched up by that doctor and and I'll set up some of the dialogue. He's like, uh, sure, Harry, we can save the leg. And, you know, he pulls, you know, the doctor's pulling out some scissors and then Callahan's like, what are you going to do with those? And the doctor goes, I'm going to cut your pants off. And Callahan's like, no, I'll take them off. And then the doctor goes, it'll hurt. And then Callahan goes, twenty nine fifty, let it hurt. <laughs> it's like, wow. Cheap. <laughs> Cheap. I know. Hey, but you know what? I did randomly look up what $29.50 oh. was mm-hmm. back in 1971. Would it be today? Do you want to kind of guess how much that would be? Um, $95. No, it's actually way more. $192.94. Oh, shoot. Yeah, never mind. Take those pants off. <laughs> those are some those Forget are some hell expensive pants, bro. <laughs> Dang, you're gonna be running that. Like I remember when um <laughs> at the bank robbery, right? Like he looked down at his pants and was that ketchup? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and thought he, he spilled ketchup from the hot dog. <laughs> yeah, and uh he still had like half the the chew in his mouth too. And he's like mm. looking down, he's like, damn. And no wonder, because it 
freaking expensive pair of pants. Never mind. Keep the keep those pants, Callahan. I know. Hundred ninety two dollar <laughs> pants. I don't. I've never owned a pair of hundred. I've never owned a pair of hundred ninety two dollar pants before in my life. I don't know why he would wear it on the job, man. <laughs> I guess he wasn't really on the job wearing his fancy pants. Uh, oh, for man. me, it was um, a little bit later on when um, the Scorpio killer kind of gets a, gets away because you know the fourth, uh, you know Fourth Amendment, all that stuff. And I'll set it up. Harry Callahan's like, "Are you trying to tell me that ballistics can't match the bullet to this rifle?" And then the district attorney goes, it doesn't matter what ballistics can do. This rifle can make a nice souvenir, but it's inadmissible as evidence. Who's And then Callahan, who says that? And then the district attorney, it's the law. Well, the law is crazy. <laughs> Which I think it's like, it sounds so cool. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, you're a cop, man. You got to know like <laughs> these, these basic, like... Uh, laws <laughs> like anyone he didn't have a search warrant obviously mm-hmm. and he's just going uh place to place and obviously you, you just saw at um just ba- based on that quote he's definitely not in the right headspace anymore he's taking it very personally and so so is uh we as the audience feel the same way but at the same time when he, uh just that quote where he's kind of questioning like well, what do, what do you mean the law like <laughs> I haven't heard this before. It's like, dude, you're a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> so ironic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. Just, I, I don't know if it was the writing. I'm like, ooh, a little bit, uh, it's kind of basic right there, man. <laughs> basic law. Next is our favorite part of the episode where we're going to play Guess the Rotten Tomatoes score and... Last week, uh, should I spoil it, Ken? Or yeah, <laughs> go ahead and spoil it. <laughs> yeah, last week, guys, we were tied in our guess, surprisingly, for Mortal Kombat. We both guessed 52%, and it was actually higher, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> Not much higher, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, because of that, since we tied, uh, we both got a point last week. But So that means I'm still up 5 to 4. Uh, and this week, Ken, I'll let you go once again. I'll let you go first. I'm in the lead, though, so uh, go ahead. You know, I, I had a hard time trying to figure out uh, figuring out what how to score this one or what I thought um, Rotten Tomatoes gave this one. I kept going back and forth between a couple of scores, so I ended up splitting the difference. I'm guessing 87%. Ooh, I guessed 89%. Okay. All right, so this I feel like this is going to depend on the higher lower end. But considering how old this movie is, I don't know how many reviews, so I'm going to definitely mention how many reviews it's got. Okay. Oh, shoot. It's exactly 89%. Oh. <laughs> at 46 reviews. Wow. I don't think anyone's has anyone uh have we guessed it exactly before? This is the first time? Maybe not us, but I feel like one of our guests has. Maybe Jacob did. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I feel like he did. Uh, the audience score is 90%, by hmm. the way. Okay. So, uh, I get the point this week. I'm up 6 to 4. I mean, Maybe I had a bit of an advantage because I've seen the movie uh, first. 
but you you were still pretty close. 87 is a good guess. Yeah, actually, my original guess was 92, so I still would have been a little off, but pretty close. Still close. Uh, for our final award is the I Love You 3000 award, where we're going to rate it from 1 to 3000. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, Ken. Uh, what would you give Dirty Harry out of 3000? Well, I actually did like this movie a lot. Um, there was <laughs> just some parts where <laughs> I was just like not too crazy about. Uh, I mean, I mentioned it with the Scorpio killer and, you know, some interesting choices. So it kind of took away my enjoyment of it because I feel like, uh, you know, with these type of movies, basically it's going to be as good as the bad guy, quote unquote, is going to be. Uh, that being said, I did give it a favorable rating because I did like the movie just because Clint Eastwood was amazing in this. I'm giving it a 2445, which loosely translates to about 81 and a half percent. Nice. All right. That's a solid score right there. And I, I feel like it's one of those movies, um, especially if you've seen so many action and crime thriller, you've kind of seen a lot of this stuff before, mm-hmm. but especially like watching psycho right when we watch psycho it's like oh yeah we've seen this type of stuff before uh but it's just kind of cool to go back and watch uh things that kind of when things were just starting out almost Mm -hmm. it's Uh, definitely iconic for sure and it still holds 50 years later mm -hmm. i would give dirty harry a 2610 out of 3000 which translates to 87 percent. so you would have gotten <laughs> you would have gotten my score yeah <laughs> um just because i love characters like uh harry callahan and you could kind of see that running theme right like mm-hmm. dread uh callahan just maybe um jackie chan's character also in police story that type of stuff nightcrawler which is a little mm-hmm. bit darker as well uh just characters like that where the main protagonist is just so interesting to me. And uh, so, yeah, I would give it a little bit higher score. But next week, we're going to be going a little bit of a more tough guy stuff, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what are we watching uh, for next week, Ken? Well, next week, episode 29, uh, we are entering the stylized world of Guy Ritchie. As we follow a mysterious character named H, played by Jason Statham, in a brand new release called Wrath of Man. Obviously, it's coming out in 2021. uh, And more specifically, it's coming out this coming Friday, May 7th. And so Jeremy and I will be following uh, COVID protocols and we will be seeing this together. Uh, We'll see. Hopefully, maybe we get get his brother to, to, to join us again. Uh, but yeah, all I'm hoping for is that it's just better than uh, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, can't be that hard, right? It's like the standard isn't set too high, and the trailers look good. And I know mm-hmm. um, there's a one cast member that I'm kind of looking forward to seeing. It's uh, he's a, a little bit related to this uh, movie, um, Dirty Harry. So you. You'll definitely have to keep an eye out for that in Wrath of Man. So I'll keep that little um, clue right there just in case Well, when you're watching the movie. So uh, 
I just want to let you guys know if you want to reach me on any of the social medias, you can reach me at Twitter at JP underscore flicks. How about you, Ken? Well, on the interwebs, I am on uh, Instagram and Twitter uh, for my social medias, and I'm at Freaking A. The spelling will be on the episode notes. Yep. So I'm looking forward to next week's episode on Wrath of Man starring Jason Statham. And um, <laughs> that's my horrible <laughs> impersonation. <laughs> it's that was unexpected. Like, it's like constipated uh, Jason Statham. So, <laughs> but so, so good. Yeah, man, for sure. But I enjoyed watching Dirty Harry again. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a little bit more uh, macho man stuff next week, apparently. Uh, But until then, have a great week, and we'll see you next time on The Real. (laughs) 